This is Sparks and Wiry Cries, taking a modern look at classical song with Martha Guth and Erica Switzer. Welcome to Sparks and Wiry Cries. I'm Martha Guth. And I'm Erica Switzer. Picture yourself in Noisy. Noisy, wait, so where's that? It's in France. It's the hometown of Francis Poulenc. Have you ever seen that little word inscripted at the end of a song? I totally have, and I've never thought anything of it. It's this beautiful little town just outside of Tours in the Loire Valley. Cool. That means good wine. Excellent wine. It's, uh, in fact, his house there overlooks a vineyard. Is it kind of like a castle, or is it, is it a big house? Is it, it a small there's, house? There's a little bit of castle action going on there. It has, you know, he's got this incredible terrace that overlooks this wonderful valley. Wow. It's backed up into a hillside, and in the hillside there's even some little hidden caverns that you can go exploring in and everything. Wow. That yeah. is so cool. The French definitely yeah. know how to live. Yeah. And his music room looks out the front of the house over the valley, and he has his piano there and his table. It's all still intact. You can go visit it if his niece allows you in. So we're picturing ourselves there right now. We're picturing ourselves there, and we're imagining it's 1939. War has just broken out. That's right. And he's sitting in his home, and he's thinking about his good friend, Louise de Villemorin. Right. She is a very cool writer at the time. She is, uh, was a socialite. She had had numerous affairs with very, very interesting people. And at the moment, in 1939, she was married to a Hungarian count. And she had sequestered herself in a castle in Hungary to be relatively safe away from the war. That's right. And I think Francis must have been missing her presence in his life. Right. And his way of spending time with her was to think about her words and to set them to music. Wow. Very cool. So what, what did he do? Well, he took words from her collection of poetry, Fiancée pour rire, and he had such a special relationship with her in the sense that, you've talked about this before, Martha, Mm -hmm. that that he preferred to only set the words of poets whom he had heard speak their own poetry. Yeah, that's right. I think very specifically his thought was that if you have a male poet, that a male singer should be singing those words. And if you have a female poet, that a female singer should be singing those words. So he thought that if he wanted to set music for the female voice, he needed to use a female poet. And he right. found that right. voice in Louise de Villemorin. Right. Specifically, there's a quote of Poulenc, Um, written out by Bernac in the book about Poulenc's songs. I need to believe in the words that I hear sung. I admit that when a lady, with the best intentions, no doubt, begins, J'aime tes yeux, j'aime ta bouche, oh ma rebelle, oh ma farouche. I love your eyes, I love your mouth, oh my rebellious one, oh my shy one. That in spite of Foray's music, I am not convinced, for fear of being too convinced, Thus, what joy for me when one day at the home of Marie Blanche de Polignac, I read the poem Aux Officiers de la Garde Blanche, which she had just received for Christmas. The words of Louise de Villemorin provide, provide material for truly feminine songs. I am enchanted by that. So he begins this relationship with her. He writes to her. He asks for more poetry. That's and right. from that, he... He sets these six songs, Fiancée pour rire, which translates literally into laughable engagements. That's right. It's a group of six songs. They're contrasting in style. It's not a cycle in the traditional sense of a through storyline. Yeah, I think they're much like the poems. They're little vignettes. They're either silly, fun, they could be kind of sentimental, they could be sexy, they could be very deep. Right. We're going to hear two of the songs today. The first one, Il Vol, 
which uh, vol in French means to thieve or to fly. Voler, yeah. We have the story of a woman who wants to be stolen by her lover. The other story that's going on in this, they're, they're using the metaphor of uh, the La Fontaine fable, the fox and the crow. Uh, and I just want to read this story for you. We're not going to read the whole text of Il Vol. I'm going to read the story for you instead of uh, the fable. A crow was sitting on a branch of a tree with a piece of cheese in her beak when a fox observed her and set his wits to work to discover some way of getting the cheese. Coming and standing under the tree, he looked up and said, What a noble bird I see above me. Her beauty is without equal, the hue of her plumage exquisite. If only her voice is as sweet as her looks are fair, she ought without doubt to be queen of the birds. The crow was hugely flattered by this, and just to show the fox that she could sing, she gave a loud, a loud caw. Down came the cheese, of course, and the fox, snatching it up, said, You have a voice, madam, I see. What you want is wits. <laughs> Poulenc shows this wit and this humor in his typically virtuosic, hysterical toccata style, which I adore. Yeah, me too. It's uh, deliciously difficult for the singer and the pianist. That's right, getting those words out in time, getting the notes right. Challenge for both. Yeah. And up to the challenge today are Deborah Stanley Soprano and pianist Mikhail Guido. <laughs> job. I really love how uh, Deborah and Mikhail really create a kind of expansive quality in this song that is not often found. Most, most often I've heard it done as like a Mack truck just <laughs> barreling down the highway, you know? But yeah, they... sort of with a hint of, God, I hope I get to the end. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I kind of love the shape that she gave to it. Yeah, very beautiful. So Deborah Stanley 
studied at Eastman. She went on to study with Hartmut Höll and uh, Mitsuko Shirai in Karlsruhe, and then spent a year at the Paris Conservatoire. She's heading to work at the Palm Beach Opera in 2010. Oh, good for her. She is such an intensely committed musician, and I love her rich and really luxurious sound as mm. a soprano. Um, I first met her in Munich years ago. She had a very successful audition for the Ravinia Festival, and I played the Wolf Mignon songs for her. And I never told her this, but I just before she walked into the room to sing for Margot Garrett and for Rudolf Pirnai, I, uh, I told them, wait until you hear this girl, you're going <laughs> to love her. And, uh, and thankfully they agreed, and they let her uh, go to Ravinia that summer. Oh, so. that's so cool. Yeah. Well, Michael Guido is a French pianist from Lyon. He studied uh, vocal accompanying at the prestigious and very difficult to get into, I think, Paris Conservatoire. He's won numerous prizes at several song competitions, and he has really some really great uh, collaborations. Uh, absolutely. Next, we're going to talk about the final song of Fiancée Pourrier, Fleur. Right, uh, flowers. Um, the text uses flowers as a representation of a past love and also the image of, of burning those love, love tokens into the fire, and that's kind of represented by a heart that's in ribbons. And I've always loved that image of, of just this kind of the fabric of a heart kind of just being coming shredded. To pieces. Yeah, coming yeah. to pieces because of, of a love affair that's over. Yeah, I, I really enjoy the sincerity of this setting. Poulenc mm -hmm. clearly feels very intensely the love and the loss. Yeah. And, and brings it to life in D-flat major, which he wrote specifically, should always be preceded, also when the song is excerpted and not performed in the cycle, be performed right after something in a very distant key, like, say, A major. And without that tonal relationship, D-flat major takes on a very ethereal quality uh, of, of something in the past, of something with a very special um, yeah, shimmery it, quality. And it's imbued with nostalgia, and, and then that way it's, it's just gorgeous. It is. And again, we have Deborah Stanley and Mikhail Guido.
Thank you, Deborah. Thank you, Mikhail, for sharing this recording with us. So we've just heard two pieces by Poulenc that are really two typical styles that he brings, this sort of light and frivolous and then the slow, ponderous, nostalgic side of him. Uh, and I think that really sets up for this next segue, actually. Uh, I wanted to talk about how Poulenc is a man of contradiction. And I guess we all are to a certain extent, but I think it's almost, I think it's very clear in, in his life th- mm. from the choices that he's made that he... Musically, I think he yeah. enjoys the contradiction in himself more than most of us are able to embrace. Yeah, but even in his life, he's sort of, he's done that as well. And uh, th- from things that I've read, it's it's clear that people blame that or they they pin that on his mom and dad. <laughs> Why not, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Everyone else does. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so his mom was very artistic, very liberal. He, she was the one that that uh, got him the piano lessons to begin with, um, really encouraged his musicianship. Uh, and his father was very strict and conservative. So there was that. He was uh, brought up Catholic. Uh, he kind of turned away from that. And then in his later years, uh, turned back to Catholicism. He was gay, but he'd also had relationships with women uh, and even had a child mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. The contradiction in his music will continue today in Banalité. Right. This is the next song cycle we wanted to talk about. Yeah. In fact, another non-cycle in the sense that, again, we don't have that through line of storytelling. What we do have here are the texts of Apollinaire. A surrealist poet, uh, also known as Kostrovitsky, I found out. Which unto itself is just surreal. Yeah, hilarious. He was a Polish-Italian man who changed his name. There you have it. Poulenc was in the habit of reading poetry, and it's documented that he found uh, some words of Apollinaire that struck him. He put them aside for a later date, knowing he would one day set those words. And in fact, those are the two songs that we're going to look at today. The third and fifth song of Banalité. The first one, Fania de Vallonie. Right, and here we're going to insert pronunciation guide. We have a Belgian pronunciation Versus the French pronunciation. That's right. According to the French guy that we saw at the cafe yesterday. Yes, in fact. So thank you, French guy. Yes. So the French version is Fagne de Wallonie. And if you're in Belgium, you're going to say Fagne de Wallonie. There you go. Those Belgian folk, I tell you, they're just a little bit nuts. So Apollinaire was there on holiday in 1899. He wrote this poem. And it's true. I do tend to go on rants about Belgium. I don't know why. I just have this thing. Um, And you know what it is? I've spent a short amount of time there, and I've played a little bit of Belgian music, and I find there's this contradiction inherent in the culture there. It's not Dutch, it's not German, it's not French. It's something, it's some marriage of all three. And Is it yet something not other? Uniquely. It's some, it, of course it's something other, yeah. but I just can't put my finger on it. And it reminds me so much of other cultures while it's being itself that it's hard to understand what truly, what, what is Belgian. What is chocolate? Chocolate. I guess. Chocolate. Yeah. Right. There you go. Well, <laughs> just focus on the chocolate. And everything's going to be okay. But what I find interesting uh, and relate, relating my rant to the poem is that the poem itself strikes me as typically Belgian in the fact that there are very German elements to, to sort of this naturalistic world out there and, and, and seeing nature, responding to it, reflecting upon it. And yet it's written in French. It has a very French aesthetic to it. And, mm. and so here we have Apollinaire being surreal in Belgium. So I was actually a little bit shocked by the musical setting. I didn't know this piece 
uh, as well. So I went and looked at the text first Show um, off. when I was ha when I was researching the song, and I read it and I thought, although there are of course like the the wordplay, the rhymes, and this the um, the interesting sort of setting, I guess, or the the weather analogies and things like that in it. I actually thought of a piece that would have been slow and more ponderous. And so when I heard this song, I was like, oh, whoa. <laughs> right. And I'll, I'll be honest, too. I didn't read the text first. I learned the piano part in a big hurry a while back and was struck by the fact that it was kind of awkward to learn in a hurry and reminded me a lot of wind that I couldn't quite keep under control. Which is actually what it's supposed to remind you of. <laughs> so there you go. A mighty wind. <laughs> Performing from Banalité today, we have Claire Booth, soprano, and Mark Furter, piano. Thank you, Claire. Thank you, Mark. I was really struck by their flexibility inside of Poulenc's really rhythmic structure in that piece. It was fantastic. Claire Booth, soprano from England, sings a lot of contemporary music. Yeah, in fact, I think she works a lot with Oliver Nussen, a really good uh, composer that I worked with actually a little bit at Tanglewood when I was there. Fantastic. Yeah. That's right. He's written pieces especially for her. Yeah, pretty cool. She has upcoming performances of Crumb's Ancient Voices of Children at the BBC Proms, uh, Bach St. Matthew Passion at Royal Festival Hall. She also is a part of a multimedia project called Transition. Together with a director and conductor, she is creating energetic and eclectic programs of concerts and staged performances with live video and film. Basically, we love you, Claire. We do. That's cool. we, We adore you, Claire. Mark, we've heard and adore as well. Uh, we've heard in our WCN Baudelaire songcast, and he has so generously provided us with a multitude of these recordings. And we're so grateful, Mark, for everything that you've given Thank us. Thank you so much. So the final song of Banalité, Sanglo, is a contrast to what we just heard in Fania. Yes, uh, it's the end of the cycle, and it, he has uh, written it to end it with gravity. It's a story of the human condition, love and loss, which also seems to be quite the secondary theme today as well. That's right. It's an unusual structure, musically and poetically, that goes hand in hand. There is essentially two poems in one here, shuffled together, as if Apollinaire is having a disjunct conversation with himself. 
Right. One poem describes the broad nature of loss as part of the human condition. And the other deals with love and loss in a very visceral and personal way. Right. So I'm going to read, uh, first of all, this poem that deals with the human condition. Erica's going to read the other poem, and then we'll read it to you the way that he's kind of shuffled them together. So here we go. Our love is ordered by the calm stars who came from very far away and are one under our brows. Remember, dear pride, all these memories of the sailors who sang like conquerors, of the chasms of Toole and the gentle skies of Ophir, of the cursed sick people, of those who fled from their shadow, of the joyous return of happy emigrants. You will not break this chain of these causes, which are the effects of other causes. Here, here are our hands that life enslaved, and nothing will be free until the end of time. Here's the other poem for you. Now we know that in us many men have their being. It is the song of the dreamers who tore out their heart and carried it in their right hand. This heart ran with blood, and the dreamer went on, thinking of his wound, delicate and painful, and said to us, My poor heart, my broken heart, resembling the heart of all men, has died of love, or so it seems, has died of love, and here it is. Such is the way of all things. Tear out yours also. Let us leave all to the dead and hide our sobs. So before we listen to the recording, we are going to do this team read of the poem. Sanglu. Our love is ordered by the calm stars. Now we know that in us many men have their being, who came from very far away and are one under our brows. It is the song of the dreamers who tore out their heart and carried it in their right hand. Remember, dear pride, all these memories of the sailors who sang like conquerors, of the chasms of Toole, of the gentle skies of Ophir, of the cursed sick people of those who fled from their shadow, and of the joyous return of happy emigrants. This heart ran with blood, and the dreamer went on thinking of his wound delicate. You will not break this chain of these causes. And painful, and said to us. Which are the effects of other causes. My poor heart, my broken heart, resembling the heart of all men. Here, here are our hands that life enslaved. Has died of love, or so it seems. Has died of love, and here it is. Such is the way of all things. Tear out yours also. And nothing will be free until the end of time. Let us leave all to the dead and hide our sobs. Claire Booth sings, Mark Verder plays.
a gorgeous performance, setting, and poem. Poulenc's respect for poetry, particularly that of Apollinaire and Paul Eloire, another wonderful French poet, was so great that he wanted inscribed on his tombstone, Here lies Francis Poulenc, the composer of Apollinaire and Eloire. I believe that would be the highest form of tribute for me. You know, speaking of dead composers... Yes? Bring out your dead! Bring out your dead! That's right. Bring out your recordings of dead composers. Yes, we want your music, people. Live composers are okay, too. yeah, and we want live composers. Send us your recordings. We are looking to fill our library with recordings of you guys singing songs, playing songs, so that we can share that with our audience. And we know you're out there. Many thanks to our surreal producer, Matthew Principe. Broadcasting and producing these podcasts while artistically fulfilling is an investment by both myself and Martha. If you'd like to help subsidize these costs or just get in touch with us, please email songcast at marthaguth.com and we'll be in touch about how we can work together. Again, that's songcast at marthaguth.com. You've been listening to Sparks and Wiry Cries. Thank you for listening. We're your hosts, Martha Guth and Erica Switzer. And of course, Tyler Duncan. You know it.